Hi, this is Judy Banfield, and we're recording another podcast, and I'm here with my marketing guy, Anthony, who's also my technical guy. And um, today we're going to talk about um, the whole experience of uh, being a parent and saying things and doing things that you thought you never would, and how we get dis- distressed because we don't live up to our expectations of the kind of parent we wanted to be. And how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, f- for the the sake of the, our listeners here, I guess we should say that this is actually um, a blog post that uh, that Judy wrote. Mm-hmm. The actual title of it. Um, I swear I'd never say that. Yeah, I swear I'd never say that. And when I first uh, helped you put together that blog post by editing it, I was actually quite amazed um, at how uh, I think I actually found myself saying some of those things, and I don't even have kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of people. Before they have kids, I mean, I certainly did, partly because I was an early childhood person, and I had these extraordinarily high standards, and I had a lot of interaction with parents, and so many times I thought, oh my gosh, I would never say that to my child. I would never do that. There were so many things I would never, never, never do until I became a parent, and it was like, oops. Yeah. Um, There goes that one. Yeah, well, and I think on on my part, it was always like, I can't believe those parents are doing that. And then it becomes, I can't believe I'm doing that. Yeah, sure. Well, there, there is always some kind of, I guess, uh, uh, judgment uh, on on my part around how uh, they were behaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I still found myself saying, geez, you know, if I was a parent, I, w- I would do things differently. I would never do that. So right. even though I never had kids, I still was saying I would never do that if I had kids. And I, I think the issue of judgment from other people is, is huge for parents. And I think parents always feel like they're being watched, which they are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're in the supermarket and you see some some child having a meltdown, you can just look at the people walking by, staring, glaring at the parent, um, like somehow they're inadequate or somehow they should be able to handle this. Their kids shouldn't be on the floor screaming. Um, and there's tremendous shame that the parent feels. And every once in a while, somebody really compassionate will go by and say, oh, yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? And just say something kind. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference in the world. But, but the judgment thing is enormous. Um, and everybody thinks that they have the right to judge what other parents are doing, even though it's not their child, it's not their situation. Um, it's kind of like everybody feels they can touch a pregnant mom's belly yeah. without asking. Um, people feel they can judge other parents and make um, – you know, come down with these uh, edicts about how the parents should be behaving and how the child should be behaving. And it's, uh, it's one of the, the, the most painful things in parenting, I think, is, is the feeling of being judged and being seen to be inadequate. Sure. And is that kind of I guess, the basis of um, uh, parents judging themselves when they say that? I, I swore I'd never uh, do something like that. Is, oh. that. is that where that comes from? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I remember the first time I used bribery with my kids. It was like... <laughs> Oh my God, I'm doing this. I must be a terrible parent, which was absurd. And you, you had said to yourself, I'm never going to bribe my I'm kids. I'm never going to bribe my kids. Well, why would you even say that? What was, what was the logic behind that? There was some ethics that you should have better parenting techniques so that, you know, bribery is, it's just not seen as a positive parenting technique. Okay. It's like there's no book that says how to bribe your kids so they behave. It's, um, you know, they say that kids get addicted to bribery or they get, they always want a reward for everything they do. If that's how you parent, and there are there actually are parenting programs that are based on reward and punishment and that kind of things, and you know, and bribery is it's bribery, right? <laughs> it's, it's your child being motivated to do something for receipt of something, right? Right, and so th- that was something specifically that you swore up and down you'd never do, right? And then you did, and then I did because I I hit a certain point with one of my kids that like I can't figure out how to I just can't figure out how to make this work and how to get this kid to do this and I went okay I'll offer a prize and like oh 
didn't that work easily? And it, so what was the result that you got? I got the result that I wanted, which is like horrified me. But um, again, it wasn't my, it wasn't my main parenting technique by any means right. at all. I mean, it was really about kids getting an intrinsic sense of why it's good to do what they do or the, the importance of behaving the way they behave. But there were those moments when I was just stymied. I was like, I really need this to happen. I don't know how to make it happen. So let's try the prize idea. And it, what would you say is the motivation to actually do something desperate like that? Ooh, that's, that's a really good question. I think you get, a, I think for me, it was this feeling of powerlessness. Hmm. And um, maybe there was some shame behind it that I couldn't, I couldn't get this behavior to stop or to go or to whatever. Did you think that you should know better? Oh, yeah, because I should have known better because I had all this background, right? I have all these parenting skills and all these skills dealing with young children. I Sometimes it was really mortifying for me that I did that. But My- it was stupid for it to be mortifying because it was just, again, it wasn't something I did all the time. It was very rare, but I still felt badly about it. I felt like somebody, somebody up there was watching me. I don't know who that somewhere was, like the great parent judge in the sky or something like that, that we all feel looking over our shoulder. Or the uh, the person who gave you the diploma that the says The person it. <laughs> who gave me the master's degree, you know, said, really? You're doing that? Hmm. Um, and um, I mean, I don't want to harp on this one particular case, but, um, or story rather, was this your first child or uh, the second? Both. Oh, you did it with both? Oh, yeah. And oh, wow. There were just times, you know, uh, you know, if you come quickly, I'll buy something for you before, you know, when we leave the store or um, just this, like, if you, the whole thing with bribery is if you do this, then this, you'll get this reward for doing it. It's a whole, I mean, it is a whole psychological theory of sure. reward and punishment and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It was just sometimes the what made it feel like a bribe that was usually a material thing. Like, mm-hmm. I will get you this if you do this. Right. Um, you can so, have this treat if you do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, if you they were... Don't, they're, they're adults. They don't do that now. <laughs> I, I don't have to interact with them that way. But they want to get paid for their work, which... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So if if you were questioning yourself in, in doing all of this, um, there must have been... I mean, bribery, I suppose, would have been just one example mm-hmm. of that sort of thing mm-hmm. happening in your life. And how did you... Um, uh, how did you resolve that in yourself afterward, after knowing this is something you did and it's something that you didn't want to do? I guess I just got to a place of acceptance with it. Hmm. Like I just did what I had to do because I couldn't figure out what else to do. Right. And so I did. Yeah, that's the bribery is in some ways an easy one. You know, the harder ones were, were yelling. Yelling at your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not something that no. you're prone to doing. No, I'm not. I'm very pretty low key. And it, it took, a, it would take a lot for me to yell. But I generally, you know, I found that if I yelled, it was because of my stress in my life and the frustration of, you know, the kids behaving, doing whatever they were doing was just kind of the tipping point. Hmm. So it was my frustration coming out because if I was feeling really good and things were going well in my life or my relationship or whatever, I didn't yell. Did you did you have that awareness of uh, of yourself? Did you have a sort of uh, sense of yourself as being uh, somebody who's level headed? Did you know that this was wrong and you were doing it anyways, and you were okay with that, or how would, how did you feel about? I, I always apologized hmm. for doing it because it was a, it was a lack of it was a lack of self control on my part. I mean, kids have very little self control. Sure, right? 
and we're supposed to be the ones. We're supposed to be the adults. We're supposed to be the adults, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, sometimes things kids do trigger us. Um, they trigger feelings in us, um, such a range of feelings. And I think that the big things when kids do things that we don't want them to do, there's, there's all the feelings of shame. There's a feeling of inadequacy. Um, sometimes a diminishment of self, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many negative feelings that come flooding in. And I think they're just left over from our childhoods or, or whatever. It's this feeling of, um, we're not good enough. I would, I would think that having, uh, that kind of situation with my child would be like looking in the mirror in, in some regards, you know. It's totally looking in the mirror. I think whatever your child triggers in you is, they're triggering it in you, right? And I remember um, watching, a, was I used to, I taught early child education at the college level, and, and one of my students was in the store one day, and her her little guy for the first time fell apart in the store when she said it was time to go. And she just gave me this big smile and she picked him up and talked really sweetly to him and said, I know it's really hard to leave. Um, but we need to go now and I'm sorry, you're unhappy, blah, 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 blah. So she was just calm. She just said, this is normal child behavior. I know what to say. I know what to do. I'm just going to do this. And she did. And it was wonderful to watch. And I've seen parents when that happens, just so embarrassed and mortified and getting angry at their kids because they're losing it. And a lot of kids lose it all the time when they're leaving. Yeah. And it, let's just take a, a, a side step here for the sake of uh, the listeners who don't know right. the store that Judy's talking about. Mountain Baby is a uh, retail store that Judy's uh, owned for the past 22 two and a half years, two and a half and a half years. years uh, here in Nelson, BC. You can certainly find out more. Uh, just take a look on Facebook and look for Mountain Baby in Nelson. Right. Um, it's... Um, Always got moms and it's always got kids in it. Always got moms and always got kids. And and just to throw some perspective on it, like I taught young kids for many, many years and I taught adults to be teachers of young kids for many years. And in some ways I've learned more about parenting in the store than anywhere because it's like the natural environment. It's like doing, it's like doing anthropological <laughs> research. Should I start calling you Jane Goodall now? Yeah, or? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just watching parents <clears throat> in the real world um, and seeing how different parents respond, how different kids respond. And again, some parents, because kids fall apart in there because they don't want to go. And some parents just are just chill with it. Mm-hmm. So it, so before we took the sidestep uh, in, into the store, right. you talked about the situation with mom, how she was really calm with her child. Mm-hmm. Um, how did the child react? He cried. You know, he wasn't happy. But once they got out the door, he, he settled down. Hmm. You know, so- it, it's not like, it's not magic. It's just that. You're providing, she was providing a, a space for him to feel what he was feeling and the comfort of knowing that he has a safe, he has safe arms and safe love to go back to. Like he wasn't made to feel bad. He wasn't made to feel ashamed. She didn't feel bad and she didn't feel ashamed, which I think was the big thing. Right. Um, I sort of forgot where we were. We just went off on a tangent a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I guess what I'm curious to know is, um, do you have any sort of, um, suggestions or ideas for parents to um, consider or to reflect upon about themselves in, in situations like that when they're um, dealing with a child who's, um, I don't know, upset or yelling or doing those kinds of things? I guess the biggest thing is to, I, don't, I won't say accept their child's behavior, but understand their child's behavior and not be ashamed of their child's behavior and just feel fine about intervening and helping the child and supporting the child. And if they're doing something destructive, like 
anything destructive, pulling things off shelves or whatever. So you, you say intervening. Can you give me a couple of examples of what that would be like? Well, let's say a child's upset about something, they start throwing things all over the place. Sure. That it's really important the child learn, you don't think throw things all over the place, but it's okay to be upset. But that's not how we show our upset. And if the parent can stay calm, it, rather than being ashamed and embarrassed, mortified, and getting angry at the child, if they maintain that calm, like that woman did, she maintained her calm when the kid was feeling apart, falling apart, and not go into the shame and self self-hatred thing that I almost see parents going into when their child misbehaves in front of other, in front of other people. And, um, and if you, you know, sometimes if you say, okay, when we leave, you can have a sticker. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Not the end of the world. It's just, I guess what I'm always talking about is like not dumping on yourself as a parent. Like sometimes we do things we swore we would never do. Um, I think there are a few things that I think are, are critical for parents to be aware of. I think there's there's so much information out there about kids and about child rearing and a million different philosophies and theories, which are just totally confusing for people. But I think the really core things is, one, to, to know the individuality of your own child. And I say this over and over again, children really are different. They are really unique. And um, what works for one child doesn't work for another child. What works for... One of your your own children will not necessarily work for another one of your own children. And to, to really, really look at who your child is and accept who they are and how they respond and what triggers them and what kind of situations they can handle or they can't handle. Because there's not a lot you can do about that, about their innate innate qualities or their innate temperament, their innate way of being in the world. So I think that's number one is really, really, really know your child so that you're not shocked and stunned um, by what they do. Right. That really helps. You know, some children are extraordinarily uncomfortable in new in new situations and may act out because they're uncomfortable in a new situation and they just need to be held in the new situation. I don't mean necessarily physically held, but emotionally held in a new situation. And if they're not, they go pling. <laughs> you know, it all falls apart. Um, and then there's some kids who are just so frightened and scared that they just want to hover near you. And if you push them away, they go blung and they fall apart. So it just being aware of the, the uniqueness of your own child and really accepting that as kind of ground zero, if you want to call it that. And the second thing is, is teaching yourself some basics about child development. Yeah, that's that's um, something I remember we talked about in the past, mm -hmm. um, how kids, uh, how do you describe, what was the right word to use? I guess how they are at certain ages. How they are at yeah. certain ages, yeah. And, and what's going on for them. And it's like, Toddlers are going to touch everything. There's nothing you can do about it. They're going to touch everything. They're going to feel everything. They'll probably put a lot of it in their mouths. That's what they do. They don't share. They'll never share. They'll never <laughs> understand sharing. They don't understand the word. They don't understand the concept of sharing. If they see it, they think it's theirs. If you have it, it's theirs. I mean, there's a wonderful poem about that, about how toddlers see the world. Everything is theirs. Um, hmm. So if you get to that point of acceptance about you know, your toddler, if you know that two-year-olds are em so emotionally vo volatile that anything can upset them, and they sit with totally conflicting desires in their head and they don't know what to do about it, and they can kind of talk, but not really. Um, so if you accept that, then the terrible twos aren't so terrible because you can have some kind of peace with what they're, with what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, and four-year-olds are all about showing off. That's what they do. It's all about, look at me, look at me, look what I can do. I'm the best in the world. And they make things up to make themselves feel better. They're not lying. It's just what four-year-olds do. So, you know, you put together your own child's individuality and you put together their age. Um, that just gives you a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding so that you're not so triggered 
by what they do. And you don't think there's something wrong with your child because what they're doing is true to them and it's true to their developmental age. Yeah, I, I think that's the the, the big uh, aha moment for probably a lot of people listening out there mm-hmm. that the, uh, your child's not wrong for behaving the way they are. That's just what they know how to do. Exactly. Right? They don't know any different. Right. 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 Wow. And some kids have, have really good impulse control by nature, and some kids don't have good impulse. By, and then if you have a child who doesn't have good impulse control, you have to be their impulse control. Mm-hmm. You just have to be there. You know, like I, when I taught two-year-old preschool, most years we had a biter. it's just two-year-olds bite have you got any scars no i don't but you know it was you know and we had a lot of parent involvement and we just said to the parent like you just need to be here while they're going through this we we, we're doing the best we can but you just need need to be there to intervene and it it worked beautifully it was just that's how this child learned to you know to that child learned to not bite because there was somebody there to intervene all the time and to stop that impulse which mm. is often very powerful in some children. Yeah, sure. Is, is there um, uh, anything that um, I guess a parent could could uh, could do to sort of support somebody else who's actually having a hard time? Like in this situation that I talked about mm-hmm. where the one parent felt guilty and the other one was doing a good thing. But mm-hmm. what if it's the other way around? Like if you see somebody really um, bribing their kids and making air quotes around air, the word yeah. bribe. Um, how do you support that kind of parent, or do you? I don't. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's a choice they're making. I mean, and that's why it's so great that I did it, <laughs> because in everything I know so much stuff, and I still did it. Right. Um, so you know, if, if if the parent isn't hitting the kid, hurting the child, child, and they've chosen in that moment, I have to get out of here. I have to stop this. I'm gonna I'm gonna bribe them right now. But it's I, I think just keep your mouth shut. You know, it's, their, it's their decision. Um, and, you know, hopefully that parent doesn't use that as their basic parenting technique because that really does backfire if you if you, you get a reward every time you behave well. Um, you know, and there's there's that phrase of catch them being good. It doesn't mean give them stuff because they're good. It's like, hey, I really like the way you put your toys away. And, well, look how neat they look on the, on the shelf. Or that's big help for me that you did that. Um, that's giving them positive reinforcement, but it's not bribing them. Right. Although some people will say you shouldn't say that because then they become dependent on your approval, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this is really, <laughs> I think it's really helpful for kids to know what, what's, what's good and what's appropriate and to learn how to behave in situations. And, you know, when, if they share something, it's like, well, look how happy so-and-so is because she shared that with her. And, mm-hmm. um, so there's a difference between, and I don't want to get into the whole thing about bribery and rewards and reinforcement. Um, that's another podcast. That's another podcast. And there's so much controversy about it. Sure. Um, any, um, is there anything about this that, uh, that we haven't touched on yet? I think it's, it's, you know, we've sort of talked about a little bit about, you know, what's going on for the child and what's going on for the parents and how to sort of, uh, resolve things for them. Um, is there anything more that you want to share about what a parent could do? About doing things that you don't, you swear you'd never do? Yeah. <laughs> I think just be self-forgiving and look at what made you do that. And usually it's because you're very tired, you're exhausted, you're stressed out, whatever the child did just really triggered you, you're in a hurry. There's a million reasons why you would do something like bribing. And there's many other things that or yelling or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that that's it just be honest with yourself, like, yeah, I did this. Why did I do this? What was happening for me, my internal process? And just get used to looking at your own internal process. I think it's really, really helpful as a parent to be able to separate out what the child did from what your internal reaction is. 
if, if a parent is somebody who's uh, um, new to the idea of actually being self-reflective mm-hmm. and they're most often reactive around mm-hmm. their kid and that sort of thing, right. um, is it okay for like with a, how do I say this? Will somebody's uh, negative reactions around their kid um, affect the child poorly? Like, will that, you know, will bribing the child turn the child into a monster or something like that? I mean, if you do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you did, if you did it every now and again, or like, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is how resilient is the child to your, um, uh, your reaction to them? That's, that's, that's a bad one. I think it's a quantifiable thing. It's like if you, if most of your reactions are negative towards your child, that's going to really impact their self-esteem. It's going to impact their sense of self. Hmm. If it's an ongoing thing, if every once in a while you lose it, it's fine. I mean, and again, I'm really big on apologizing when you lose it. And I think it, it teaches children a lot about emotions and a lot about how we can lose control sometimes and that we really value them and care about them. And that's not how we want to interact with them. Um, I think that's the critical thing. And, and we will all do things that we don't want to do, that we promise we wouldn't do. And it's, again, if it's constant, then yeah, you can really mess up your kid. But if it's an occasional thing, it's fine. And probably most people feel fall somewhere in the middle right. on this thing, you know, but I think that the, the self-chastisement that goes on now with parents, like I, I can't believe what parents come in and feel guilty about. I mean, there's just so much self-doubt and it's just, that's, that's toxic. It's toxic to yourself to be constantly doubting everything you do and constantly feeling that you're a bad parent. That's toxic. You know, better to do. I, one of the things I just want to say, I, I once worked with a, a preschool teacher um, who was one of the best, best people I ever worked with. And, she did so many things that were not quote standard early childhood education procedure and ways of doing things. And it was fascinating to me because she loved those kids so much. She just exuded so much love to those kids that it didn't matter what kind of art project she did. It didn't matter that she didn't phrase things exactly the way you're supposed to phrase it because the kids adored her and she adored them and the parents adored her. And it was just a real lesson. Like it's, it's the, basically it's the underlying love. It's the commitment. It's the care the compassion you have for your children will override the occasional stupid thing that we say or stupid thing that we do. Um, it's, it's the big, it's the big picture. I think you just described my mom. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you described a lot of people's moms. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, an immigrant to a new country, mm-hmm. uh, English is in her first language, right. uh, four other little bambinos running around, including me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's got her hands full. I, you know, she didn't, uh, she didn't parent with a lot of grace, uh, or a lot of dignity a lot of the time. Right. Uh, but, you know, she loved us all, mm-hmm. you know, to the, to the end of the, you know, to the point of, you know, screaming at us, you know, look both ways before you cross the street, <laughs> screaming at us as we were crossing the street, look out for the cars. <laughs> and as he got on the other side of the street, it's like, when are you coming home? <laughs> so, but there's so much love in that, right? Absolutely. So that. And, and I guess the thing is there, there is not a, there really is not a right way to parent. There's certainly there's certainly ways that are very damaging to kids. Like if you use shame and blame and put downs and making the child feel bad about themselves all the time, that is really damaging Mm -hmm. to kids. And we know that. And if you use physical punishment as a routine, we know that that's damaging to kids. But other than that, there's a wide range of parenting. That's just fine. And there's no one way that works for everybody. And I think being self-forgiving and not going on the internet all the time. This is my mantra is like, don't believe everything you read on the internet. 
is read what's inside you. Like that's way more important mm -hmm. um, than what you're reading on the internet or, yeah. or whatever. Anything you hear on the internet though is okay. <laughs> he says as he's right. recording a podcast <laughs> with Judy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just another voice, you know, and my encouragement is that you find your own voice. Right. You know, that's, that's my, my biggest message, I guess. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think that it, that's, that's basically the, uh, the ulterior motive you have in all the different things yeah, that, that you're writing, uh, which yeah. is, which is great. Um, is, is that it? I think we, we sort of reached as much as we could with this today. I think we have. I mean, I could do a long list of all the things I did that I swore I'd never do, but yeah. I don't think well, we need to do that. Well, uh, people can uh, read the blog post. There's, That's true. there's a lot more yeah, detail there. And your, uh, your list of bulleted things that, mm -hmm. um, uh, parents can go through. Judy's really big on lists. So if you want some tips and ideas, you can certainly <laughs> read the blog post there. Um, you can find this, uh, blog post that we're talking about. JudyBanfield.com is the website. And, uh, you can search for, I swore I'd never. I swore I'd never. I swore right. I'd never. And, um, if you like what you've heard today, uh, please share it with a friend. You can share that out through Facebook. Uh, you can uh, send somebody an email, whatever it is, um, or just invite them over to your place and you can listen to it together again. Right. That'd be great. And people can always contact me if they have any questions and they want one-on-one -on -one help. I'm here. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, thanks, Judy. We'll see you in the next podcast. Okay, bye-bye.